Odd Christensen understands despair, including financial despair, and the difficulty of raising his two-year-old son after his wife lost the battle of cancer. His story is going to touch you, encourage you, and motivate you. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Grant. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Todd Christensen is an author, podcaster, speaker, accredited financial counselor, certified HUD housing counselor, and education manager at MoneyFit by DRS. Todd has facilitated thousands of personal finance workshops and one-on-one counseling sessions since 2004, helping consumers of all backgrounds, all income levels, regain control of their finances, get out of debt, rebuild their credit, and create a brighter financial future. He published Everyday Money for Everyday People in 2014 and 50 Plus on Fire in 2021. This is something that everybody needs to hear, and I thank you, Todd, for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thanks, Carol. It's uh, it is good to be with you. I appreciate it. All right, let's just jump right in. First of all, with your story, and I'll read what you sent me here as an mm-hmm. intro. I maxed out my first card in less than thirty-six hours, mm-hmm. and was in credit card debt for nearly a decade before making changes. Now I'm an award-winning author and creator of personal finance resources. Wow. Funny how we we sometimes end up in a in a field that uh, in our younger years frustrated us or at least intrigued us by its uh, what what seemed impossible uh, the impossibilities. But yes, I I was not so great with money in, in my younger years. I grew up in a in a in a family was well off. My dad's uh, was an op, uh, is a retired optometrist and youngest of eight kids. Um, never, never lacked. And I had, you know, I learned how to budget through a scouting merit badge, I think it was. And so when I went off to college, this was, this was in the uh, mid, early to mid eighties. It was, uh, my parents didn't know it, but it was the onset of the credit card. I almost call it an assault on uh, college students on campus. You'd walk down the first week of school, you'd walk down the, the quad and there would be tables set up or in the student union building and they would be 
trying to throw free things at you, a free t-shirt, free hats, free frisbees, uh, Nerf footballs, whatever it was, just to get you to sign up for a credit card. And it was, hey, you don't have to use it. Of course, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, it's just for emergencies. And I was, uh, and and I didn't get it that, that early on, but in the late 80s, when I, um, I, I took a couple of years off, um, and, but in the late eighties, when I returned, I did, I grabbed one just for those emergencies. And like any student, the emergencies, uh, are, everybody <laughs> has a different definition of what an emergency is, but I just had to be, uh, I just wanted to be a professional musician and I bought a, uh, professional grade keyboard and monitors maxed out that card, uh, the, the day after I got it. Um, and that's being generous. That could have been the same day. As soon as I got it, I knew exactly what I wanted to go do with it it, even before I got it. And so I now had $2,000, uh, maxed out credit card. Uh, a month later I I got my first credit card bill and it said (laughs) $50. And I thought, Oh, this is great. I can have for, for $50, I get a professional grade keyboard and I sent off the $50 a check. This was before the internet really. Right. right. And, um, I, I called my credit union about a week later and confirmed that the check had been cashed. And I thought, okay, I'll go buy some groceries now with that card. And, uh, I tried to buy like $20 worth of groceries and it was declined. And I was so irate. I thought they cashed my check and now they're going to try and, uh, not let me use it again. Um, I called them and they said, well, Mr. Christensen, you know, college student hearing, (laughs) Mr. Uh, What did I do? And it feels a little condescending. And it was, it was okay. Of that $50, about $45 of it was just for interest. Hmm. I feel this is a learning moment. Um, Yeah. So I, uh, my card was maxed out. $50 only brought down the limit, uh, the the available um, limit by about $5. Um, I couldn't use it. And I, it was, it was a her- terrible, terrible situation and hard lesson to learn. And, and, I, you know, I can't blame my parents. They didn't, they didn't know that it was, it was going to be something that, um, that somebody my age was already going to be marketed, um, for. So, uh-huh. um, and, and I, you know, I wasn't the, the greatest learner, quickest learner, uh, cause I got a gas card, uh, the next semester, because there was a, a station right across the street, and I used, I used that card um, for everything. I went grocery shopping at the convenience store. I got milk and bread, and uh, mostly those chocolate wax donuts. You know, I, I don't know, <laughs> those were my addiction, and I took that card way above its limit within uh, about two months, and within I think about three months it was at about 60% over the limit because of all the extra fees that I, that I was getting charged. So you didn't learn your lesson very quickly. No, that was it though. That was, that was it. I, I didn't use those cards again, but they stuck around and I had to, uh, about a year later, two years later, uh, I remember kind of, uh, I was renting a room from one of my buddies and I, I get started getting these collection calls from the credit card companies and, I finally didn't want to hide anymore, and they um, we set up a repayment plan, 
and I got out of, out of that debt finally after about two, three years. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was rough. And then I got married, uh, went off to grad school and, uh, had, a, had our, uh, for my first, my first son, uh, was born and, and about two years later, uh, my, uh, my wife passed away oh. after uh, an illness and, uh, Financially, you know, it was it was a tough situation there because there were, and this was uh, two decades ago, but there were thirty thousand plus dollars of hospital mm-hmm, bills mm-hmm. now. Oh, really? And I was unemployed. I'd been unemployed for five year, five months, taking care of her, which in my mind was a blessing. Um, and we had some great family support and community and church support. But you know, I remember seeing that thirty thousand dollar hospital bill. That did not include doctors and others but fortunately i had uh we uh built a a relationship with the social worker at the hospital and called her up and said hey um what do you think is is there any options for me and she said you are an ideal candidate for this you've been unemployed for six months and we were able to get that forgiven it was it was still really wow yeah Uh, i mean it, it's not just what you know; it's who you know, and and because she was able to guide me through the program and and help me, um, and get to that point. So that was super helpful, and I went right into uh, um, working uh, a position. I got a job right after, pretty soon after that, and um, remarried a few a few years later. Met a wonderful uh, young lady, and we uh, have a wonderful family now. And, uh, two more kids on the way, and or, or two more kids since then. Uh, nice blended little mini, mini Brady bunch. Um, but it's uh, it's been a there. You know, there's there's been financial lessons all over the place. And and I after start running my own business for a couple of years, I found this opportunity to be a financial educator. And it's just it's funny. You you, you go into so many people go into a a career that they struggled with. Uh, early on. And that was, you know, me and finance. I, I love what I do. I, I want to share with others the, the lessons I learned to help them avoid some of the, the frustrations that I had to go through. Now, um, those lessons that you learned, did you progress? Was each lesson like a stepping stone? Or do you, did you find yourself having to do the same thing over and over again, which I think is quite common, is it not? It can be. It can be. Yeah. I, I, I got the, I finally got the, you know, I caught on. Um, but I remember, uh, being a single dad, I had some student loan debt and, uh, in earlier years, I would have just ignored it, but I had learned, you know, by ignoring things, it it just makes it worse. And so I, I took control. I, I made some phone calls. I looked into some op, um, alternatives, and and I was able to refinance that. Uh, at it was practically, I mean, back in the, in in two thousand one, um, you could refinance a loan for it was I think it was around one percent. It was so ridiculously low. Um, but it was so it. I learned. It was it was less financial lessons than it was mindset shifts. Okay. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing that, that a lot of people have to get to that point as uh, you know what, if we can get over the, 
I hate money. I'm no good at money. It's beyond me. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm, uh, I just don't know what to do with it to the point of, okay, if everybody else is trying to figure it out and, every, and a lot of people have figured it out, I can too. Um, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, ask around, ask a family member, ask a, somebody that you feel is, is you can trust a, a, a good friend. When, when we can get over the idea that money is taboo, you can't talk about it. It's rude to talk about money. Actually, it's rude to keep all those lessons to yourself and sit back and say, huh, let's see what you do. I, I just think that's, <laughs> yeah, that's I can see that. so wrong on so many, on so many levels. But that's the way we think. We think, oh, I, I can't talk to anybody about money. It's embarrassing. As if everybody's perfect with money, except me, right? Um, the one thing I've learned in the 20 years of, of this, uh, doing this, is that everybody has a money story um, about difficult times they've gone through. Everybody. Good the, point. the person across the street that seems to have the perfect life, um, they've got, uh, they own their own business. They drive, uh, have their cars paid for. They struggled. There was a time when that person struggled so much they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. It's that we all go through that. And when we can get over the idea that it's me against the world, we can open up to a a complete new resource of support and change our whole mindset that money is not the enemy. It's just a tool. And that was a big lesson I learned when I was uh, tried to, to run a business early on um, as a single dad is I, I had to learn something about running a business. And I thought, okay, money finances is a big deal because now the IRS is going to ask me double about personal income and about business income. And so I better get uh, a handle on this. And when it, when it becomes more of a tool and, and, and not an, the adversary or not the, the, the barrier then you just realize, okay, if it's a tool, I better learn how to use it. There's a right way. There's a wrong way. There's you can build some pretty darn cool things, or you can, you know, cut your cut your finger off or or smash your your finger your thumb with a hammer, whatever it might be. Um, you can get hurt using money, mm-hmm. but you can also do a lot of good for yourself and for the world. Now, a lot of people come to the place where they don't see any hope. They're in a situation where they, you know, they can't see the forest for the trees, per se. Right. And what we're going to talk about when we come back after a short break is how those people can be helped through your ebook, through your debt management program, and what you offer our audience today. Because, as you said, everybody has a money story. So before we go to break, is there anything else you want to address regarding what you're going to be talking about? I think the idea of um, you know changing the mindset, looking at money as something that you can control. I think taking back control of your own finances uh, is is huge, and and so that you're not feeling lost on on an ocean of money. Perfectly said. Take back control because that is the scenario that most people are dealing with, correct? They feel yeah. they have lost control. Yeah. So on that note, we will be right back. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. 
She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Welcome back to Never Ever Give Up Hope. With me today is Todd Christensen in the area of finances. And this is where he has been sharing so far this morning. And finances, is there ever a time that it does not affect our lives, no matter we say how bad things are right now and how so many people are hurting. And I know that Todd is going to address that. But also, even when he, who came from an affluent family, you have to get things in order. Correct, Todd? Absolutely. You, you need to get you know your life in order, your finances in order, and your future. So those are just some thoughts I've thrown out there. So take it away, Todd. Expound a little bit more on that. And then you're going to teach us how to avoid the unnecessary financial challenges, which could devastate us. You bet. Regardless of, uh, of where somebody is in their life, yeah, money, it's going to affect us. The goal is that it not control us, but that we control mm. it. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the, the things that I, I really focus on is helping people take back control of their finances so that it's working for them rather than they're just working for money. Mm -hmm. And um, there are some of the keys that I, that I um, emphasize when I'm working with somebody, uh, a lot of, a lot of people will he have heard the number one rule of personal finance is to save, pay yourself first. That's, you got to do that. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I do put something in at the, at the beginning. One is, well, actually two things. One is what do you want to do? That's going to take money. You have to set kind of goals. If you don't set a goal, then anything you do with money is just math. Oh, I have, mm -hmm. to, I have to make this and I have to spend that, add, subtract. And it always ended up in either negative numbers or imaginary numbers, right? Uh, that's what a lot of us live in, in imaginary money space. Uh, but we, if we set goals, what do I want to do with money? I want to buy a home. Okay, well, how much is the down payment of a down payment you're going to need? I want to start a business or I want to retire early. How? Well, figure out the numbers. I want to... I want to fly to Europe. I want to go to Australia. I want to visit Japan, whatever it might be. Set, uh, Write it down, set a goal, figure out what is it going to cost and how am I going to get there? So the goal is, is if you don't have that, you don't have direction. And then money is going to always be pulling you at you from the wrong, the wrong direction. And then number two, before I get to savings, is, is uh, generosity first. It's a rule that I believe in. Mm. Uh, not just because it sounds nice and warm and fuzzy, but I believe that there's a financial aspect to it that helps people who are generous be better with their money that they have left over after being generous. So financial uh, uh, generosity first, whether that is giving to a, a church, a charity, um, a school, whatever it might be, what it does is it keeps us grounded. It, it makes us realize, look, if I'm giving to a homeless shelter, 
it reminds me, I, there are people out there that don't have a roof over their head. And where, where am I at? I'm doing better. Uh, I'm doing okay. I got a roof over my head. Yeah, things seem tight. Seem, things are tough. Uh, this is, happens, that broke down, yada, yada, yada. But it helps us realize that no matter how bad it is, there's probably somebody else could use help more than, more than I can. I do. And then with the understanding that I, my needs are met, because somebody else's needs aren't, I, rec I recognize, look, a need is really shelter, food on the table, some clothing. And then you start talking about the pseudo needs, like uh, transportation and communication that we feel are needs, not really, they feel like needs, although we can physically survive without them. Mm -hmm. uh, we start making better choices on our priorities. We start prioritizing, okay, take care of the needs first. And then we can start looking at what's left uh, and, and what's most important. So goals and then generosity first, and then pay yourself first. If, if we all paid ourselves first, and people will ask me, what does that mean? It simply is put money into your savings before you do anything else. Oh, and people, nice. yeah, I mean, people will say, well, I, I can't afford to do that because all my bills, my money goes to bills, as if to say, that bills are the same thing as needs. When we start paying ourselves first, we start realizing that not everything we can obligate ourselves to is a need. Just because you sign up for a subscription to a streaming video service doesn't mean that that's a need. And if we put money, out, get it out of our spending hmm. account, human nature says that we will adjust to what's left. It's just too too many people say, well, whatever I have left over at the end of the month, I'll I'll put that into savings and and. Guess how much they have left over at the end of the month? <laughs> There's always more month left over at the end of the money in that situation. Whereas if you put money into savings first, as soon as you get it in paycheck or have it directly deposited in savings, then we, when we're constantly looking at how much more do I have to spend, we realize, okay, I can't go out to eat three times or five times a week. And we start adjusting our lifestyle uh, to what's what's left in our account sometimes we don't like that we don't like oh, i don't want to adjust my lifestyle well the reality is you adjust your lifestyle now slightly or you will be forced to adjust your lifestyle significantly later when you start paying interest on credit cards and other debts that you are that you are currently using to fund that lifestyle so it's always better to to, to make that choice early so that's those are kind of the first few things that that we need to do to get to get our financial lives in order and literally in order. Those are the, that's the order to go through. And then I talk to people, I tell people, look, why do we constantly make ourselves face decisions, hard decisions, financial decisions? How much am I gonna save this month? How much am I gonna spend on this? How much am I gonna spend on that? Why not just automate as much as we can of our finances? We, there's so many automatic tools out there, uh, automation tools that money can just go to where it needs to go all of our different bills we can put money into certain different accounts that are for specific specific purposes like groceries has its own account or um, uh, travel has its own account and so that every month the only real decision we have to make after we do all the setting up we set everything up once mm -hmm. but every month after month the only decision we make is okay i've got fun money i can spend how am i going to spend it because Money should not be stress, stressful. It's, it, it is, I understand it. I mean, there are a lot of situations where if you don't have enough to cover your own survival needs, it, it's very stressful. That was my question. 
how yeah. do you talk to someone in that position, right? Especially now when the cost of food has risen. Yeah. I I understand. I can't remember the the uh, numbers, but it's risen substantially right. for at the grocery store. And yeah. if how do people adjust to that if there is no money even before they they right. start the month? It's an eye opener in many cases. Um, okay. When eighty percent, eighty percent of, and this is this has been pretty pretty steady since I started tracking it back in the early 2000s when I started this job. About 80, 60 to 80% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Meaning every every dollar comes in, every dollar goes out by the end by the, before the next paycheck. And so when something like inflation or COVID hits, it can have a really devastating effect on finances. The problem is we just as you know as as I alluded to earlier we adjust our lifestyle to whatever money we have uh, and we start to obligate ourselves to monthly um, payments like not just like video streaming everybody you know we oh. somehow somehow uh, I haven't looked for about 2 years somehow that's like 60 70 80% and maybe not quite 80% anymore 60 70% of households in this country still pay for live TV and, and now they've added onto that three or four different um, streaming services that and so we they have all these different um, just entertainment fees that come in uh, bills that come in every month and then we say oh the, the groceries are uh, the grocery prices have gone up now what do I do Let's look at where your money's going. So it's all going to bills. Okay, are those bills priority over food? Right. And that's. I mean, it's. It seems like it shouldn't be that tough of a of a of a conversation, but it is because of of. And I, I can't remember the name of the law, but once we accustom ourselves, habituate ourselves to a certain lifestyle, it's so difficult to move to uh, lower any kind of exactly uh, yes. lifestyle yes. Uh, and so that's where we have to talk about okay let's re revisit priorities which are the most important and make sure that if your priorities are met priorities are met you can be quite satisfied in life uh the study there's studies after study over over the last few years have been coming out about does money really can money buy you happiness it actually there's there's a correlation that up to a certain amount, and it's somewhere in the neighborhood, just a little above the average uh, uh, median area income, whatever everybody else in your area is making. If you're making just a little more than them, up to that point, it makes you happier. If you're anywhere, you get more money. If you're if you're 50% of the area median income and you make more money, you're going to be happier. And you make more money, you're going to be happier. And each year you're making more money. But if once you hit that just a little above the area yeah. of median income and you start making a lot more, uh, making more money, it does not bring you any more joy or satis uh, much more satisfaction. You, a little more stability, uh -huh. but it's you don't find it doesn't increase your sense of happiness. So is this what you're talking about when you mentioned your debt management program? Like, do you... Do you lay this out through coaching or through your website or through your book? Talk yes. About that. Okay. <laughs> yes, all, all of the above. 
So debt management is a third-party program to help people who need that that accountability with a third party to help them pay off, uh, pay down, pay off mm-hmm. their debts. I, I, I work with people. I try to get them to use a first party, you know, a um, self do it yourself kind of repayment plan, set a, set a plan, a spending plan or a budget and start putting extra money toward your debts. You, you make minimum payments to every single debt except one and you focus on one and, and which one you focus on depends on your goals. A lot of people talk about this, what's called the snowball. Have you ever heard of the snowball? No. Carol? Snowball is where you, you make minimum payments to everything except the smallest balance. And you make the extra payments to that and you pay it off quickly. And the idea is, hey, I just paid one off. Now I have a little more motivation to okay. continue. Okay. And so they, they say, okay, then snowball to the next one. Move that payment that you were just paying to that first place. Now, oh, now focus yeah. on the next smallest one and pay that one off. And that's a great way to get started. I totally agree with that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a good idea to stick with that. After you pay off one or two accounts and you have the motivation to move forward, move to one of two other options, what's called the avalanche, which is to pay your highest, focus on the highest interest Mm -hmm. rate first, Mm -hmm. because you're gonna save yourself time and money. You're gonna get out of debt sooner. You're gonna pay less interest over time. Um, It may not be a lot, but it might save you only one or two months, but if your your monthly bills, your debt bills are four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, one or two months could be over a thousand dollars. So uh, the avalanche that helps you save money and time. But if your goal is to maybe buy a home in the next year or so, and you're trying to rebuild your credit, then um, we term I termed a few years ago. I termed it the landslide. You focus on the newest account that you've opened because activity on newer accounts will affect your credit re- credit score more than activity on older accounts. So the sooner you can pay off new accounts, the faster it'll build or rebuild your credit in advance of buying a home, for example, so that and, you can get better, better mortgage rates. And how does somebody avoid the temptation? Let's say they paid off a credit card and now oh, that yeah. money is sitting there available. Yes. Should they cut that credit card? How do they avoid the Yeah, no, that's here? a great question. Uh, this this uh, study I, I remember seeing back in the in the 2000s, I think it it may not have been, but I, I, for some reason I think it was an American Express study showed that if you pay off credit cards with uh, a credit card debt with another credit card or with a home equity line of credit, you know, a balance transfer of some sort, within a year or so, 70% of consumers not only have that. Uh, balance that was transferred, but they've run up those old credit cards back to their original balances. And so it is a real, it is a real temptation, a real issue. Um, it's, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to use it for this one thing. And pretty soon we're using it just the way we used to. And now we have double the debt. Wow. So yeah, cut it up. I don't have a problem with that. Um, if you close the account, it may negatively affect your credit, but I'm okay. not one to say build credit for credit's sake. If, if your goal is to pay off debt, and then close out, close out those other accounts. Your credit may, may go down a bit, um, but as you make monthly payments on time and pay down your debts, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rebound. Uh, so, yeah, uh, cut, up, cut up the debts, uh, cut up the cards, um, get rid of them, take them off your online accounts, your Amazon account, and other places that you, you just have to click to, to buy something that can make, make – 
here, this is kind of goes contrary to um, to the way we think about life. But I say make money, uh, your access to money, as inconvenient as possible. <laughs> That's good. It really because if if all you have to do is click a button to buy something, you're going to buy more. Great, great for for a business if you're a business owner. But for consumers, make it take take the um, account uh, the credit card off of that auto pay, um, auto purchase option where all oh, they have that oh. one click. Um, get a bank credit union for savings that is not tied to where you have your checking account, uh, so that. And, and don't tie them, don't get an ATM card, don't tie them together so you can electronically transfer back and forth. I, I have, um, when I was living in Boise, I found one that was, they only had one branch in the valley. And uh, they didn't have a drive-through. And it didn't have evening or weekend hours. And so at, to, visit, uh, to go get money, I, you know, I could send it there. I would send it um automatically or as a uh-huh. through bill pay but to withdraw it i literally had to go drive there during the day take a little time off work i had to get out of my car this is so inconvenient i had to walk little i think i paced it off it was a hundred yards into the into the uh into the credit union and withdraw the money and um so i left it there it was i was using it at the time for saving money for to, to buy uh what um Christmas gifts and birthday gifts for, for my wife, because I was, otherwise she, I mean, she sees where all the money goes. I wanted to have some sort of surprise, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. surprise there. So make it inconvenient to access your money or Good to spend point. it. Spend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, so those, so debt management is, uh, is a third party program where if you've <laughs> tried the snowball or the landslide or the avalanche and it's not working a third party, uh, consumer credit counseling agency like ours we work with the creditors to lower interest rates typically down in the single digits two percent five eight percent you make one monthly payment so you have all these credit cards collection accounts medical debts payday loans what whatever they might be uh, they just we just don't work with home loans or car loans uh, and you make one payment to the credit counseling agency and we then disperse it to all your creditors until they're paid off and it's it's typically five, uh, three to five years can't go past five years but um it, it's a three to five year program typically no prepayment penalty there are some fees but they're capped by every state mm-hmm. and um they're very reasonable so that even with those fees your monthly payment is typically because of the lower interest rates l- much less than what you're dealing with now so anybody who's especially anybody who's dealing with credit card interests uh, in the upper teens or 20%. Uh, I've seen 30. I've seen one credit card that had a, a default or a penalty rate in the 60% oh, uh, APR rate. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, this sort of a program can really be a lifesaver to, to help them uh, help help the consumer get out of debt. And during those three to five years, they, those accounts are closed, so they can't use them anymore. And it, there's kind of a forced discipline to live without credit while they're on the program uh-huh. so that when they're off, Discipline. Uh, recidivism rate can be much lower. Discipline can be a real yes. negative word to a lot of people, right? Oh. <laughs> self self discipline, yeah. If you, you nobody wants to be disciplined by anybody else, but self discipline right, right. is is crucial um, to financial stability and wealth. I, I, there, I have one presentation that I do on who wants to live like a millionaire. It's called, 
And um, we, it's a lot of myth busting because we think of millionaire oh. lifestyle. It's great for teenagers and, and, and young adults, especially, but even, even uh, older adults. But we think of millionaire lifestyle. We think of the cars and the homes and the, and the travel. And, and the reality is that most millionaires, 95, 98% of, of millionaires, that's not, that's not what their, their lifestyle looks like. There is the 1% that we see on TV, oh. the, the um, <laughs> actors and the right. Uh, right. athletes and the musicians, but they get paid to be seen because if they're not seen, right. they don't, they don't sell. Point. But they make up, yeah, they make up less than, I think it's about 2% of, 2, 2% of 1%, 2 one-thousandths. Right, right. Or 2 ten-thousandths. Um, everybody else, you know, you do have the doctors and the, and the, and the attorneys and the, the, um, the business owners. Uh-huh. But um, a great book came out uh, back in the, in the early, in the late 90s called A Millionaire Next Door. And uh, it, it really shed light on what oh, nice. uh, the lifestyle of most millionaires are like. And there, it was followed up uh, the daughter of the, of the professor, one of the professors that um, published that, um, followed that up a few years, just a few years ago with the next millionaire next door huh. and confirmed that it wasn't just a, uh, something of the late 90s and the tech bubble back uh-huh. then. But uh-huh. most millionaires, you wouldn't notice by their lifestyle. They... Uh, well, a lot of them do not want to be noticed either. Yeah, yeah. The, that, you know, your neighbor driving an old, yeah, yeah yes, your yeah. neighbor driving an old truck, uh, beat up truck to work every day um, may probably may have a much higher net worth than the, uh-huh, uh-huh. the other neighbor on the other side driving a brand new um, luxury vehicle. Exactly. So. Good point. And what is the name of your book? My book uh, that I published in 2014 is called Everyday Money for Everyday People. I based it on a lot of the feedback or a lot of the stories that I was hearing in some of these uh, cla- in the classes that I was doing okay. for those first 10 years. And I kept thinking, oh, that's a great story. Or, that's a great tip. I, somebody ought to write a book. <laughs> and that's I funny. quickly right. realized, oh, uh-huh. they're sharing those with me. I better, I better honor that and, uh, and share, share that information. So it's everyday money for everyday people. And um, followed up uh, a few years later, I, I, I it's called 50 plus on fire the fire fire movement stands for um financial independence retire early okay um, and it's all about to trying to a lot of people uh, like the idea of trying to retire early live on passive income and, and it's it's tended to be a very much younger um huh. movement the 20 something 30 something that try they, they want to retire by the time they're 40 right. a lot of them are in professions that they they don't like their jobs maybe tech industry uh-huh. too and they just get tired of their jobs so they want to just ha- make enough money that they can invest and then retire and and either not necessarily always travel but yeah travel but also pursue uh, other things that they love like uh, doing some volunteer work or uh-huh. having um having their own small uh, business, doing a blog, doing a podcast, whatever it might be. Right, right. But that's, uh, so that's what, the, and, I, and I wrote one for people who are in their 50s and still, who still want to try and retire early. And these are all available on your website and on Amazon? Yes, and I'm okay. on Amazon, yep. Now, is there anything in summary that you would like to say to the audience? Just keep going. <laughs> I love I love the name of the podcast. Never ever give up. It's we we want to just sometimes 
give up with finances. Oh, it's so difficult. Exactly. I'll never make it. I'm never going to get out of all this debt. There is there. If you've tried it on your own, don't give up. There are other options. There are third parties. Um, even even bankruptcy, it's there for a reason. I, I'm not a fan of bankruptcy. Nobody is. Even oh, people like right. we've I've counseled a lot of people going through bankruptcy. And of the thousands of people who are doing that, none of them say, oh, so glad I'm going through bankruptcy. But really, they they will say, you know what, this was my last option. And it's there for a somewhat, not completely, but somewhat of a fresh start. Um, and, and within five, ten years, uh, studies show that most people can catch back up to their cohort uh, uh, economically. So never give up. There's always options. Boy, especially, you know, reach out to your uh, local nonprofit credit counseling agency. Uh, I love the university extension agent, uh, offices. Every Pretty much every county around the country has access to one. And a lot of free resources. Just take advantage of them. And, um, yeah. And be up. generous, you said in the beginning, too. Correct? Yes. Yes. Stay grounded. Way to give. Yeah. Stay grounded at every income level. Um, you can... Even if you don't have money to give, you can always give support. Mm -hmm. You can always give time, ideas. Um, when when we give, it attracts people, uh, and we we build a, a powerful network uh, that that supports us in our own um, goals. Well, this has been very enlightening, and I'm sure that those who are listening will want to listen twice. And to go to your website and to connect with you because this is a subject that bears repeating over and over and over and over, as I'm sure you are fully aware of me, <laughs> what you've been doing all these years. But people are always looking for ways, if they are open to receiving the information that you have available to them, they're looking for ways to improve in this area. Absolutely. Nobody wants to be ridden with debt. Right, right. And I, I mean, I do invite anybody, feel free, please reach out to me. I, I, I tell people all the time, use me, you can't abuse me. That's what, <laughs> that's what we're here Excellent. for. That's right. It's, uh, uh, I'm not, you've been there, done that, right? I've <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. That's absolutely right. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate what you have shared with us today. And I appreciate you being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.